0: Ladies, hello, hey Cory Poo, Yolanda, it's my it's love. On, <laughs> 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 I always wonder what kind of um vocal ad lib vocal. What do you say, vocal track? Hello, hello, <laughs> it's me. welcome back to another. Hey, podcast, girl. Hello, I'm Corey Murray. I'm Yolanda Sanguini. I'm Charlie Penn. And this is Yes Girl. Did y'all miss us? Oh, we need more mm-hmm. life, you guys. And me.
1: this is Yes, yes
0: Girl.
2: Girl.
1: like that? Okay. Yeah, that's might might the end there. I've been so stressed, y'all. I haven't been able to get in on these interviews. I missed the talk today, today's talk with uh, Amanda Seals. Oh, you did. So you
0: did. You know, this is Corey's like, Stress season. This is, this is my Olympics stress season. It's called yeah. red carpet season. This is her stress no, maybe we find another word olympic
1: hey, it's, it's my olympics it's her olympics it's my, it's i low-key <laughs> as much as it's stressful i do like it yeah. yeah i do thrive in it i did this is the this is my thing this is my event yeah like you had the black love gala mm-hmm. yeah baby bico yes you know yeah sure. yeah so this is my
0: little baby that I all those rcps for baby bico's baby shower yeah uh-huh
1: <laughs> but i'm saying <laughs> there's a management. <laughs> I, it is like your baby. It right. is my baby. So I yeah. to to the audience. You might not hear my voice as much because I'm gonna be in and out. But yeah, definitely gonna be back soon. On the regs.
0: So Corey's is the person that calls all the celebrity representatives and like, hey, can you do this for Essence? Can you be? Can you uh, be on the cover? Can you? Um, she does all the invites to the Black women in Hollywood. Oh, event. don't say that. Don't. Say, oh, 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 oh. Oh. Sorry, sorry. Okay, so can you be on the cover? <laughs> no, I'm joking because oh. then people, then people, immediately, are, immediately they're like, like
1: oh, okay, so this cut we the, the plug. Yeah. Well, we can say it's not a public, it's not for the public. It's, it's not, and I mean, that's, and that's people hard to know. explain to people. Um, one thing, though, that I do love about our Black Women in Hollywood event, and we've announced our honorees, Amanda Stenberg, Icky Lane, Jennifer Lewis, and Regina Hall, who's a 20-year career, our covers are out right now. Um, is, it is an intimate, <laughs> intimate room of about 300 people, but, um, can't literally fit everybody. Mm-mm. Like we can't, and we want it to be nice and beautiful. Um, and we just can't turn it to a stadium event. Cause it's, you guys have been there, you know, the, it's but like that vibe black female
0: Oscars for yes. like 200 people. Yes.
1: So <laughs> well, I, I do take into consideration when, when people write me and say, or call me and like, I've never been, I would really like to be in this space. Um, I do feel you, but physically there is no space. No space. So, so hmm. speaking of no space, mm-hmm. this weekend
0: I could not oh, stop yeah. watching the Fire Festival documentary Listen. on Netflix. Wait, can I tell you, you
1: something? I realize you know how HBO has that sound when you, when you watch it. Yeah, and you do like dum, dum. Dum. the hum that comes. I on. realize now I know the hum for Netflix. What is it? There's it's like the dum. dum. They they do they have they have a thing now and I've now associated it yes so for me Netflix is now my HBO because I I ride for HBO I love HBO but I realized like oh I know it now like it hit me I went to actually see um, Black Earth Rising which is coming on Netflix Michaela Cole's. New series.
0: Ooh, I saw that you were at that. Yeah, okay, but yeah, okay. Yeah. I have but I need in. to go work. Because tell me end. all about Ja Rule. But before I do, y'all, Amanda Seals is here this week. Yes. She has a new comedy special. Second black woman in history to have a one-hour comedy special on HBO. Word. It's called I Be Knowing. Abby I Be Knowing. knowing. She's hilarious, you know.
1: I saw her, her on uh, Trevor Noah the other night, and she said that I have a whole-ass master's degree. That's why I'd <laughs> yeah, be knowing. from Columbia yeah, University. Whole, in, like, University. In,
0: like, in, like, um... Afro-American studies, yeah. yeah. I was going to say. Rissy. Mm-hmm. Rissy. Yeah, she's major. And, you know, she's been on the show before, and like before, Amanda never hesitates to tell us oh, how she yep. feels. Oh, yep. no, she, yeah. You know, and it's important that she do that. That's yeah. what we love about her. We've seen the special, y'all. It's funny as hell. Yeah, but also family is really just to double down on that. It's really important for family to talk about things, even things that make us uncomfortable. And as you hear, Amanda really um, spoke on something that hurt her. And we try to come to a resolution about it again, you know, as she is. She had, you know, some things to say about black media and we took it like big girls Mm -hmm. with our big girl panties. Yes, we did. You know. and, And we told her how we felt. Yeah. And it was a conversation. And I think you guys will enjoy hearing it. Also, she's funny as hell. She's so funny. Now, Amanda Diva. Fire Festival. <laughs> look, look, you guys. Yo. Oh, my God. I think I would like to assume that 80% of you guys have listened to, I mean, watched this uh, documentary on Netflix called Fire Festival, The Greatest Party That Never Was. Mm-hmm.
1: It was on everybody's timeline. Look here.
0: It I didn't even think little... black people were going to watch it like that. You know why? But we will. Because Netflix will assume. Like, you know what? how Netflix tells you, you what to watch? You turn it on. Oh. And the first four thing, like, anything new Got it, is right there. We're all hooked. You know what I mean? So something pops up and you're like, that. You know what I mean? But I think, you know, the Ja Rule thing, like, I wanted to see how involved he was. I'm not going to lie. I was watching it. I wasn't even thinking it was going to be an AP course in white, rich entitlement. Mm-hmm. I thought it was going to be all about what Ja Rule did and didn't do. Yeah. I wasn't ready for the Billy McFarlane situation. Got it. I didn't even, I mean, you know, I'm not white and rich. Yeah. I don't know anything about this man. Yeah. I never had a what you call it, card? M- Montesis? M- Girl, whatever. Some it's kind old. of, as yeah, like a- Mariah would say, I don't <laughs> know her. <laughs> <laughs> whatever that card was. <laughs> the guy who started Fire the app at Fire Festival created some kind of black card for millennials mm-hmm. so uh-huh. feel important and get, like, advanced tickets on, like, you know, extremely discounted, like, Beyonce tickets and Met and this is how he got rich. And that's kind of how he became, like, the next great millennial mind. And I'm mm. doing air quotes, y'all. Got it. So they called him. But he's basically like Joanna Scammer. Yeah, he's a fraudster. <gasps> over and over. Over and, then and this over. this documentary shows you. First of all, I didn't know about the fire Festival until it didn't happen. Same. Yeah, that's I don't what know what I, Yeah, I remember. That cheese sandwich yeah. photo was the first thing that I saw. That was the first time I heard about it. I was like, wait, what is... Teen yeah. Festival. And then the orange squares that all the models did, I, I never saw that. But also, I thought it was interesting that Jasmine from Netflix, actually, Jasmine Lawson, was talking about how the Fire Festival really showed you how segregated social media is yep. because a lot of black people didn't know about the Fire Festival. Yeah. Because it wasn't With for her. all the stuff that they were doing, because it's not like I don't follow Bella Hadid or any of those girls. Yeah, I, re- right? I
1: remember hearing about it, but I remember like it was like Ja Rule. Like, I mean, no offense to Ja Rule, Wait, but he's not J- like our top tier artist that I'm following to find out Wait, about. You guys, I know,
0: I know, I know Ja Rule did uh, some bad stuff. But why do we hate him so much? What did he do? Before the fire festival, like people clown him all the time. I don't hate Jaru. He had hits.
1: He did have hits. Had, what,
0: what? Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I okay. actually don't. I don't. You know what? Real talk. I can't answer that because when I see Jaru, I'm like, oh, there's ja Rule. Like I don't. Yeah. I don't yeah, have people like, you know, Clown him but all dude, the time. His daughter went to him Hampton. Like I don't. I think the people who clown him are like. Remember, it was yeah. I remember ja Got it. Got it. And. But so funny because everybody that clown Jar rule now sings on the track too. Like I will never get over that. Put on, are you early? Mm-hmm. And yeah. We're all like, Yay. Hey. but but you know we clown I mean? I anyway. but it's so interesting though because Drake sings on tracks. Like I mean, singing on it, he he damn near invented like sing rapping for the, our generation. Yeah. And that's kind of what ended his career. Remember Fifty like kind of wasn't it like a I was whole about epic that. beef about it. Yeah. You know, I have to <clears throat> read up on my 50-inch Yaru beat, but I do know <laughs> I do know I got really personal. Save it for the Googles. Okay, for the Googles, but I do know that, like, that was kind of the end, so I don't know, but I was, yeah. the Yaru factor was curious for me, but you guys, what I got instead? Girl, that Billy boy is, like, what? peak white, boy, scammer, like, bullshit. They should have called it The Greatest Story Never Told. Yeah. I was like, this, all this was shit Was he arrested? Had... He was arrested, He's in prison. Right? Yeah, he's in Girl. prison, okay. Corey, essentially, a, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna um, summarize this like a, for Black folks. A, a rich, entitled young white man. We do we know if he's rich? A faux rich. Yeah. Well, possibly he's saying rich, he's rich. We don't know. Reportedly rich. Yeah. Entitled young white man. Because the news and everybody told him he was the next great millennial hustler. He decided to just start coming up with great business ideas. So he decided he could actually create a festival in like six months. You know how long it takes to make a festival? Yeah. Create a festival in like six months that was better than Instagram. Like he actually thought he could sell. You know how there's like the Instagram photo and then the real life. Yeah. He actually thought he could create what we see in filtered, like influencer photos. He thought he could make that a real festival in like six months. Not even. Mm-hmm, right. You mm-hmm, know mm-hmm. He had no plan on how to create an infrastructure. It's such a lesson in how to fuck up a business. Yeah. Y'all. Let's yeah. just be real. Let's fuck up a really good idea. You can have a great idea, but you selling tickets for an idea before you even know how to bring toilets in. Yeah. He went to bring a thousand people <laughs> to a private island with no plumbing, no electricity, yep. no nothing, yep. and have luxury villas, and tents, and bonfires, and music, and artists. Yeah, and like, and have it all be good. Yeah, and when people got there, there were potatoes from uh, FEMA. FEMA. <laughs> oh, I remember seeing the pictures.
1: <laughs> I remember. And I, FEMA. So they people, were
0: wet. Some people paid six figures to go to this festival, right? And then they get there, and the their Accommodation's all fucked up, and the the mattresses are wet, there's no food, it's cold, like, it's, like, the one of the busiest seasons in the Bahamas, so there's no accommodation. Like, it was crazy. And then, but I thought, though, it says a lot more about our culture than mm-hmm. it did about Billy, for me, because people fell into his... They um, fell for it. They fell for it, because he was giving you... Um, aspiration you wanted to hang out with those supermodels he was giving you like you wanted to feel important because your photos were going to be you were going to be at fire festival so you were going to pay all that money to be cool you they know likened I mean? it to the fomo effect yeah that fomo led people to buy those tickets yeah. fear of missing out yeah yeah which is a real thing with money else yeah. one of the parts that really stood out for me was the man who was prepared to suck penis for some avion water so that the True water story. could go into the, 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 through customs. You remember that? True story. Crazy. And he was dead, dead serious. He was dead serious. I see. You see where your jaw is right now, Corey? <laughs> yeah. Out a jar and like on the desk. That was me the entire documentary. Oh, but the part that made it so real for me, guys, that wanted somebody wanted, because basically everybody who was, who was involved in this is telling off. That's what this documentary is. They all did it and they're all, sorry, air quotes again. Mm-hmm. They got money for this. But anyway, he said they thought it might work even though it was gonna be a shit show and a disaster because Woodstock did. Because even though Woodstock was like completely, like too many people Road shut down, muddy, dirty, disgusting, not enough food. It became enough like
1: Africa. a cultural icon. Yeah. It didn't yeah. matter. Yeah.
0: All people talked about was how epic it was. Yeah. But I'm laughing because I'm like, millennials were not at Woodstock. They would not. No, they were not. These people got off the plane. Oh, my God. The bugs. Where, where's the water? Where are we yeah. going? Is this fire festival? Yeah. They, okay. There were influencers who were upset because they were on a regular plane instead of a private jet. <laughs> There's still a plane flying you to an island to party. Yeah. But these girls were like, oh, this is worse. Some girls said, yeah. this is worse than economy coach. <gasps> that's what I fly every day, boo. The part, though, that really is going <laughs> to have a it. lot of people talking is that the Fire Festival, whatever little was there, was built by black folks in the Bahamas. Yeah, so that's the news um, I kept seeing was that. Yeah, one who- and how they're still owed money to this day. Um, uh, Silver Lining was the woman who. Marianne, I think it was her name. Yes. When she started crying, talking about oh how she lost all her savings to pay people that had worked for the fire Festival, that goes I funny. broke. Girl, I cried. I, I cried, cried with her. as well. And, but then good thing is people did, someone did a GoFundMe for her. And mm-hmm. so she made double. She made like a hundred, to date, like $130,000. Oh, good for her. Fundraised for her. So there's some, there's some good that's coming out of it post. She made event. people out of her own pocket. Her own savings. Mm-hmm. Because she, think about it, like she was like the point person. Yeah. Corey, they said these workers worked uh, 24 hours a day, around the clock. And it got to the point where it wasn't even just workers. They grabbed anyone who was available in the yeah, town yeah. to, like, lift something. To work. Damn. Mm. They had, like, eight weeks to build it on the island. Yeah. Y'all should know it takes us yeah. a year to play an essence festival. A year. Almost a
1: year and a half, Tw- really, yeah. because there's deals in place for the following year at the current festival. And that's yeah. with an
0: existing infrastructure. Yeah, yeah. Contract with the city. 25 you know years, go, yeah. You know yeah. what
1: you're going to do. Yeah.
0: They had none of that. Yeah. They bamboozled rich white folks.
1: Yeah, I gotta watch it.
0: It's just it's fascinating to see how it could happen. Yeah, they basically had a dream and no plan, girl. And I think yeah. that there's that's the lesson too for all of us. Like dreams are great, you know what I mean. I do need a plan, but you have to really be serious about asking them. And also, can I ask you guys what you think about this? It reminded me of a smaller trend that I'm seeing, and we were talking about like once we were with like some kind of food festival or something. But everybody wants to host a great event. That's like the new thing, a conference, a summit, an event. I don't think they're all created equal. And I hear a lot of people go to different things that their friend put on. And they all have great websites and hashtags and cute, you know, tickets and everything. But they're not all the same. And I think it's, it's kind of make me skeptical sometimes when someone's like, oh, come to this event. The, there's not like a standard, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I think we have to be careful. It's cute to put on a conference. It's epic to do that. If you have a plan, but you guys think about the work involved and that you need a team to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Asking people to gather in a room is not an event.
1: It's got the New York Times did a piece about that a little bit on um, all those pop up Instagram experiences like the museum pizza, the the museum of ice cream, you know, all this stuff. the Rose Museum and all that stuff is like it's one picture. It's not the they're watering down the experience and what they're selling people to do. But. I will be watching that after my, um, I'll be watching the fire festival doc after my big mama's birthday. Yay. Yay. She's turning a hundred, 100, 100 years so old. Heavy. Hundo. That's the kids. I'm going to say her Hundo. full name. Yes. Gadia Bell. Oh, Cannon Alleman. No, I'm a liar. Let me get it straight. Gadia Bell. Cannon Carson Alleman. Oh. Wow. Oh call her GB. I've never met anyone named Gaudia. Yeah, I don't know that's where beautiful. that name came from. Mm. Um, there's a milk, though, in New York named Gaudia, and I hey. always send her a picture. you always yet. called
0: her Big Mama. Right? Well, she's Big, big Mama her. to me. But what has What's something that she's taught you? What's there's some wisdom that she's passed on from 100 years up on this earth? Because that's epic.
1: You know what? Me and uh, West Coast editor Regina Robinson were talking about something, and it's something Regina said, you know, nothing in our life is is not that hard. And I replied to her. I said, "I said, you know, I'm glad you said that because my big mama always reminds me that her job was picking cotton. Mm. Like that's how she started her career. She picked cotton. Wow. Mm-hmm. And once my wow. mother and I were driving through Savannah, well, driving to Savannah from Atlanta, and we saw the cotton fields, and I don't know, it's just." I was like, oh, my God, cotton. I don't know what it, my relationship to it is. And my, I remember we were calling Big Mom And Big Mom was like, well, this is the season four. Because, you know, she was just kind of talk like, wow. you plant it here, you plant it there. And I have to be reminded, oh, that was her life. Wow. That was her life. So, so are you just working. Work. Where was yeah. she born? In down in Doni, Texas. Wow. Oh. Yeah. So,
0: you guys, we covered a lot of topics today. Tell us though on social media using hashtag YesGirlPodcast, right, Yolanda? Yes. Did you watch the fire festival doc? Were you confused? Would you say Yolanda? Were babe? you bonfused? Bonfused and befuddled, befuddled as we were. Also, wish your birthday behavior and leave some happy birthday shoutouts for Corey's Big mama and mine. Hello. Hello. <laughs> So, yeah, hashtag Yes Girl Podcast. Let's get into this interview. Let me want to hear from you. What? You who's here? Oh I'm so God. excited. Amanda Steele. Hi. Comedian, actress, writer, podcast host. Um, DJ uh, Topra.
2: <laughs> every day. I always Topra bring sang. up Topra.
0: <laughs> Thanks. Um, <laughs> friend to Yes Girl. This I'm Every time. Woman. It's All in Me. <laughs>
2: Welcome, Shut
0: queen up. of com- call out commentary, yes. all of the things we yes. are. Sa- I
2: sound like Khaleesi. It sounds like you're like <laughs> presenting me, mother of dragons. Yes.
0: That's what we do. You know, we read the receipts. Oh, you had a really great receipt about Amanda's yes. upcoming and I HBO ask Amanda special. If it's true. I'd be knowing. Are you the third black woman in history to have your own HBO
2: comedy special? The, sec- the second. It's the second? Because. Uh, That's incredible. Whoopi Goldberg was the first. She did a one-woman show. That's not a stand-up special. She did a one-woman show. The first is Wanda Sykes Uh in 2009, I'm gonna be me. Wow. And then Amanda Seals in 2019.
0: Girl, can Mm. we slow down? That's dope. Wow. That's amazing. Thanks, guys. I love how Amanda is so cool. Like, she's just like, yeah, thank you. But (laughs) inside, like, you have to be doing Cartwheels. That's like, Honestly, I'm not, because that's
2: not cool. It's cool for my own personal gain, but honestly, I should be the 13th. Absolutely. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. So it's like it's a double-edged sword on it that is. side. It's so on one side you're like, yay, but on the other side, I'd be like, we're just oh, we're still getting seconds and firsts in 2019. Have you Googled first black woman? Because you do the, that. <laughs> every day my Google alert comes up and I'm like, what in the hell? It was How? like I think it was honestly like maybe even uh, as recent as a year ago, that it was like the first black woman board certified cardio cardiothoracic surgeon. I'm like, I remember that. What?
0: what? Yeah, that's crazy. I,
2: I was just that book lumped. Fuck. <laughs> SAT words.
0: No, by that's Danish. <laughs> by the way, um, Amanda, this special, I Be Knowing, January twenty sixth on HBO, was directed by Stan Lathan, which the I thought, my God, Stan the deaf comedy jam, iconic comedy director. How'd that happen? How do you how do you well, connect? You know, Stan
2: with that? is. I've known Stan since I was twenty, uh-huh. since I was nineteen and twenty oh, doing so, deaf comedy Ah, uh, got it, got it. And so he's always presented himself as a resource of. Inspiration, information, inspiration, et cetera. So throughout my career, I've always been able to reach out to Stan, you know, just to get some insight on things. And I remember with Smart, Funny, and Black, when I was kind of trying to sell it to TV and figuring out what to do, I remember calling Stan and being like, you know, what should I do? And he's like, I always try to keep shit for you, you know? And thank goodness, because with Smart, Funny, and Black, I've been able to Preserve its content because I became very ardent about it being owned by me, and therefore I can make sure that it's not being influenced by folks whose desires or whose uh, needs are more commerce based than empowerment or upliftment based so that's why I decided to keep Smart funny and black as a live show but that and that was largely in part because of the of Advice given to me from Stan Lathan. So when it came time to do my special, uh, you know, Jesse Collins, executive produced, and there was no one else we're gonna reach out to first other than Stan, not just because he's someone I've known for a long time and who's always been a supporter, but also because. He has, like, this ridiculous resume, uh, and I think he won—yeah, he won the Emmy last year for Dave Chappelle's special, so I was very honored to have him immediately say yes. And not only was Stan, like, the director, but he mentored me through this process, and this was my first special, so I I needed it. I needed someone to kind of help guide me on the preparation process, because I was kind of shooting in the dark and i can 100% say that like he made me better he made me better and speaking of the preparation process so i follow you on instagram
0: like everyone else we talk we, i message her sometimes she responds you were good about that by the way i don't know how you find the time but that's not the conversation you are always funny like you are always real and you're always funny you're all you've been doing this forever so how did you even begin to decide what would go into this you know this show because I imagine, I mean, I, I always say you're funny. It's effortless for you. Some people work really hard at it, but I really just think yeah. it's effortless with you, effortless with you, and that's why we love following you. She'll be, you know, like an Instagram story rant about DJ Khaled or whatever, and I'm in tears, like in tears in my house. And she's like in her car driving giving you somewhere, content. you're like, oh. You're just oh. like the morning content, lunch, content, dinner, yeah. content, and we love that about you. Honestly. So I imagine, you know, when you really sat down to, to write this and to plan this, it was a lot to think about. Well,
2: I think the thing is that when you're a stand-up, you do have a separation between the content that you're just doing and the content you're performing. And there really is a hierarchy to that. Um, It starts—some bits start just as, like, something I'm doing off the top of my head, but they become— a actual piece, because you've dedicated time to them that's beyond just, like, being willy-nilly. You know? I think that you—I you, think that you set yourself up when you start just thinking, well, I'm just funny, so I mean, like, I can do whatever. So like, right now, I'm in, I'm in uh, the new growth phase. Because I retired my hour. So now I'm on stage doing new material. And it's the ugly phase of like... The new growth phase. Uh-huh. <laughs> He's just trying to figure it yeah. out. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and for the first like couple sets... Uh, I was definitely riding off of like, I mean, I'm just like, I'm funny, you know, so like, whatevs, like, I'll just get on the stage, it's gonna, I'm gonna do my thing, because I like, I know what my thing is, and then I had one set where that didn't really pop off, and I was like, okay, let's bring it back, let's simmer down, let's, let's be thoughtful about the craft, about the craft, because you're, you can't let the. Confidence become arrogance. Mm-hmm. Thank you for so, saying that. So,
0: because I don't know if everybody online, you know, like, you know, people are like, oh, I'm just, I'm good at this. I can do it anywhere, anyway. Yeah. I can sell tickets for it. I'm sorry, I just the <laughs> I exactly. I watch the Fire Festival.
2: I need God. to watch. I need to watch. i it. It's literally Girl. like, I, like I, I have an early night tonight. I'm watching it. I'm Girl. watching it.
0: It is a crash course, and you can, if you can tell you sell yourself a lie, you
2: can sell yourself the biggest, craziest yes. lie, and if you believe it. Isn't it also about a straight white man, though? Yeah. Isn't that really, isn't, t- I feel like the tale is really like straight white men can do anything. Yeah, can can, the, yep. There's nothing a rich
0: straight white well, man can do. Well, seemingly rich. I don't know if he was really rich. I know that's He sold what, us that's the dream of that he was rich, but we don't know. But also, there's this moment where you'll see, they believe the dream for a second. Like, you know, the Instagram, like, yeah. versus real life, they got lost in that sauce, too. Well, you know,
2: you know what I mean? Yeah. I think. And yeah, people do all day long. I mean. It wasn't a cognizant decision for me to just be looking regular as hell on my Instagram, but I'm glad that I ended up doing that because a lot of people have said that that, like, helps them to feel more comfortable in their skin. Yeah. yeah. And in it makes not you accessible, like, too, Amanda, as a oh, person. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's a gift and a curse, by the way. Oh, the really? Being accessible. Because oh. relatable is great. Accessible, not everyone should feel like they can... I guess maybe then
0: I used the wrong word. Okay. Maybe accessible. It's it's relatable. Like, I feel like even now as I sit here with you, I don't know you on a personal level, but I feel like, oh, my God, I'm watching my homegirl become, she has her own fucking HBO special.
2: You know what I mean? Like, I feel like, Yeah, but you've also, like, met with me over courses of my career. Like, I remember coming in and being like, can y'all like my things? This thing that I did, can y'all like it? you know because essence don't really be showing me love like that so uh, y'all still don't be showing me love like uh-uh. that. Now, we're so, that we're not gonna do it, are you kidding me have i because i haven't had Dup, a spread Dup, yet so i Dup. you know
0: again mm. as a member of the digital Thing team has got me fucked up no but you
2: know <laughs> nope we're not doing I don't know it if it's because <laughs> of my skin. I don't know. I don't know. No. I don't know. But I, I ain't had a spread yet. and I've been out here. And
0: she's sample size.
2: <laughs> okay, I'm done. I've been out here for dead. a long... Oh, oh, man, long. long time. Y'all, because honestly, Essence should have been who put me on. And I really feel when I do Smart, Funny and Black, I do a qu- I have a quote that my audience says in unison uh, from Marcus Garvey, where he speaks to the fact that we as a community have to determine our own martyrs, we have to determine our own heroes, et cetera, et cetera. And I feel like far too often our black publications and our black media spaces do not take that lead. They don't take the lead in determining, you know what, this is who we're going to lift up, this is who we going to build up. They wait until outside sources give that person a show, give that person a, 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 a recognition label deal, give that person access. And then they're like, "Okay, now we're going to take them in. And I just feel like it shouldn't be that way. I think it should be the reverse. Y'all should have made me a star. Because I've shown and proved now that, like, you could be behind me. You know what I'm saying? I feel like I've done the diligence, but I know that there are folks right now who are also doing that, and I hope that both digital and print side are paying attention to those folks and lifting them up, because we don't do that enough. We wait. We wait for the other folks to be like, look at this black girl. We do. We have our own audiences. And you know what? Black women are the number one consumers. Everything. We're the number one college graduates. We're the number one buyers of books. We just out here flourishing. And I feel like it's our responsibility to determine like, this is the next flourish. That's what I want to do with my wealth. And I think but, oh, I, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Ayanna
0: was here last week, or the week before, and she was talking about passing down the healing and how sometimes as a community we have these hang-ups and these things that we still have to get over. Yeah. I'm really happy that you're saying that, though, because I don't yeah. always know, I, I, I mean, just being here, I don't think it's always intentional. I don't think it's malicious in general, but also I think it's something as a brand and all black media, we all have to really let go of, because yeah. we we're still being followers in that way and not trend. and even when we think we are you know what i mean and i and i get it i mean i don't i think even the people work at black media agree with you but it's the machine (laughs) the machine it's not anyone nobody there's no dictatorship like oh we're not gonna put man no 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 you you know what i mean they
2: are oh there are absolutely people in the machine who dictate things that trickle down there are absolutely people who decide like well this person ain't gonna sell this so they're not important yet. And there has to be a cognizant uh, attention to the balance of that. I guess I was speaking for Essence. I no wanted okay, Essence fair is enough. like,
0: we're not going to put Amanda Seals on. You know fair what enough. I mean? Yeah, no yeah, one yeah. here. But I completely take, you know, this is a space where we can talk about anything. So hey, girl. We, girl, let's go there. I <laughs> <laughs> the last episode, we kissed and made up with <laughs> what? here before. (laughs) And that's how we can have this conversation, because you know we, I mean, you know. You've been looking at our faces in your audience for as long as I can remember. But it matters because, yes.
2: You know what I mean? And and the essence, though, for all black women performers, essence is still the essence of our our ascension, you know? Like, we're all like, I want to be on the cover of Essence. Of course I want to be on the cover of Vogue. I want to be on the cover of Essence, you know? It's like any hip-hop artist to this day is still like, I would like to be on the cover of Double XL or The Source. You know what I mean? Like, even if that's not the pinnacle anymore, you still have an attachment to that, you know? And and whether it's nostalgic or what, like, it's still the facts. I want to be on the cover of Essence. I should be on a cover of Essence. And just for the fact that I'm still here you, you know you've been doing this forever 93 I ain't trying to age you or nothing I'm right there with you I have been SAG since 92 oh, wow there we and go and listen I was close I was close you were like super <laughs> dupe close you were IMDB close
0: she the to I went, mean, you know well, what I read it I was like wait you know what I mean like, right, like you are not the same age like uh, you've been I was like wait
2: what was I doing in 93 Caribbean, like a true West Indiana <laughs> I was on GMA and they were like you know you have more jobs than Strayhand I was like I am West Indian like I am from Grenada this is a cultural thing oh this is not just about like paying rent this is like it's in my blood I'm looking for the next job Like, what else can I do? What else can you do? Because I do feel like you do it all. What's Like, I know you still dream big. What's next? I mean, I think the biggest thing for me is, like, continuing to advance Smart, Funny, and Black as a brand and not just as a live show and using it to help grow the space of what black comedy is and creating platforms for other black comedians that speak in a voice where intellectualism is an integral part of their humor. Um, I think my podcast, Small Doses, like continuing to grow that, being able to bring that to live audiences and using it as a forum for specifically black folks to be able to talk to each other, not just at each other, because I think as great as social media is, it is— disrupting it's interrupting yes we're all capsing and we need to have the yes we need to have that human interaction you know there's something valid to what that does and um because there's like people who i know like do not like me who have never met me what yeah like just Just off off of like yeah whereas like if we were in the same room it'd be like oh she she cool. She cool. You know? yes. No, seriously, and you yeah. we do that with our girlfriends. Like, I'll have the most heated debate with my girlfriends,
0: and we get into, oh, bitch, hang up. But then the next day, we're fine because these are your friends. But you say even one half, use the wrong emoji with somebody. And you are blocked, canceled,
2: cut, Cancel muted, screenshot it. So I want to I wanna do that. And then I have my book, Small Doses, coming out at the end of the year, which is a, a literary companion to my special— I mean, sorry, to my— podcast but in general i mean what's next is my goal has always been i just want to be able to have options creatively like people would ask like what's your idea of success you know like tell us what's your idea of success you know exactly and i'm like jesus christmas i'm like success next month's rent that was my idea of success you got it what's up you know your co-star advice that when you can set up automatic payments that is success, and I have automatic payments, so yes. I love it. Yes. We're here. Here we are. Um, but I think that, for me, like, the goal has always been just to get to a point where, like, when I have an idea, it can get done. It can get made. And I am somebody who's very prolific. So for a long time, I used to feel just depressed and disheartened and frustrated and sad by just like feeling limited and feeling truncated by just the lack of resources. So and not just the lack of resources, but the lack of like support and belief in what I'm doing. Well, When did you decide, fuck that? I'm going to just do it on my own. I mean, I've always been on, fuck that, I'm going to do it on my own. It just gets easier the more success you have. People are like, you don't have to do this on your own. And that's when it gets different, when you don't have to do it all. And then you reach a point where you literally just can't do it all. And that's its own struggle, okay? Handing over that reign. And listen, people will tell you it's hard and you're like, I'm sure I can handle it. It's hard, okay? It's really hard because a lot of people are not reliable. And this is the biggest thing I've learned is that a lot of people do not have the same meter for excellence as you do. Mm, We know this. Thank you. This also applies to referrals. Don't get references from people who don't have the same meter of excellence as you. I know that's your friend. And you're like, no, my friend, my friend referred her. So, you know, she's good. But your friend— don't got her shit together. You know what I'm saying? So I've run into that. And so it's a learning process with that. Hiring is the hardest thing. Oh, my gosh. Hiring is really a doozy. And then you feel like it's a reflection of you if you don't get on you. Well, you know, poor reflection on you if you don't get it right. So oh, my you're God. Just like, girl, you're representing me like Tyro. We were all rooting for you. We were Stop rooting it. for you. Yeah. I mean, I, I really have had to, like, at a certain point, just kind of let myself off the hook. Like, you tried, girl. In the mirror, like, you tried, you did your best, release, relax, relate, release.
0: <laughs> but listen, I be knowing, yes, as someone who suffers from vocal Tourette's, there was a lot of content in there for me. So I'd like to read some of the content that was on there. I love when I'm single, but I'm cool, okay? And then we doing it. We going out, okay? And then my favorite, the how black am I going to have to get? That's my favorite segment. How black am I going to have to
2: get? How black am I,
0: have to, how black am I have to get? Today.
2: <laughs> like, today. Yeah. In this situation <laughs> right now. It's a constant gauge. Yeah. Sometimes, some of us don't even know we're doing it. We don't even realize that we're doing it. Like, I'm, I wonder if, how many people this is going to bring a consciousness to that are like... Oh, Oh, I have been thinking that because you find yourself, especially if you've been in like token situations like all your life, you don't even really realize that you're like doing those measures and meters on a regular basis. You go to a a PWI, oh, you are 100 percent at your predominantly white institution asking yourself like, okay, I just stepped into a African-American writers 101 class and I am the only black student. And there's a white professor How black am I going to have to get it? (laughs) And then you decide to sit in the front row and wear a goofy every day. (laughs) Every day. I also
0: love how your comedy is like your stand up is uh, a mix of comedy, but also a lot of cultural commentary. Uh It makes it so especially as a black woman to see myself and all the things that you're talking about in such a relatable way. I'm not, you know, I'm not, like, wild and crazy, but it's, like, very thoughtful about the way that we move into work spaces. And there's a part, I don't want to spoil it, but there's a part where you talk about (laughs) CCing too many goddamn people on your (laughs) emails. And so it's, like, little microaggressions
2: that happen at work that you
0: just tap into so well.
2: But that a lot of people, like, don't know about, you know, like, even the people who I'm accusing of doing these things are like, I didn't even know that was a thing. Like I have friends who are women who happen to be white that are like, I did not know. Now I know. And I'm like, namaste, (laughs) you know? And that's the thing. It's the real moments
0: and the funny moments and just the, I'm also a two toenail painter and y'all will know what that means. <laughs> I cried and looked down at my feet and I was like, I sure did, but did do it for the people. <laughs> like, But that, that, that nuanced realness of like, yep. Uh huh. That's my life. And it's funny. And I'm not mad at the talking yourself up before you go out, girl. And I growing didn't. up around white girls.
2: Girl, I, I was, was singing that <laughs> little Phillips song until you said that, and I was like, guilty. I mean, I uh-huh. Y'all will get it. Y'all will get it. Why there's just, right? there's, these are, I think that I, I tried to like, it's not even like I consciously tried to do this, but when I watched the whole thing in, co- in co- cohesively, I was like, oh, I, I feel like there's a lot of different black girls who'll see themselves in these different bits you know what i mean like even my my attempt you know like my my harriet tubman bit was was about like we <laughs> We, like, only think of Harriet Tubman as this, like, picture on a wall. She was a whole black woman who had to deal with fuck shit as a black woman. You know what I'm saying? And, like, just wanting to personalize her and give her a voice, because we never get to kind of see or hear—I mean, Aisha Hines, Mm -hmm. Um, when she did, you know, her work on on, um, Underground, you know, that was, like, the first time that I feel like on a— national scale, we got to see, like, a representation of Harriet Tubman that didn't feel just like this is some character written from a Wikipedia entry. You know? So, that, so I, I really love hearing you guys say this, because this is—that's what this special is for. It's for black women. I, I mean, I'm, I'll say it so I'm blue in the face. I don't care if anybody else likes it. As long as black women like it, I'm like, cool. Are you comfortable sharing the difference between white people and white people who and to people be white. who happen to be white. <laughs> yeah, cuz I say it all the time. Okay. Yeah, white people are so people who happen to be white people who happen to be white are people who do not adhere to the false notion that white is indicative of supremacy. However, they understand that with whiteness comes privilege. And so they use their privilege to give those who don't have access to it access. White people (laughs) are people who believe the lie, are people who believe the notion that their skin color makes them better. And if you believe that something that was created solely, literally solely for the purpose of oppression, makes you better, then you ain't shit. (laughs) Like, tell me, (laughs) Lorenz.
0: like the white kid—did you see that video of the white kids this weekend on the Native American
2: elders? You know, and and the the problem with that is that—don't get me wrong—those are babies. Those are babies, so I can't charge them as adults yet. I can't charge them as adults yet. But they're being taught by adults. It needs to be noted that they were at that protest because they were protesting women's right to choose. A bunch of boys, a bunch of young men were trotted out to D.C. to protest women's right to choose. So they are already being taught toxic masculinity, patriarchy, you know, good old Anglo-Saxon BS from the, from the get. And then they ran into a Native American man with a drum. And if that ain't—the <laughs> imagery of that is just like, where are we? Where are we? Him and that drum. Girl. Well, I have to ask you about that, Amanda. So I know you—you you are on the internet, right? That's
0: where we. See I be on the, on things, the internet. Like all, we be on the internet all day. And I asked the analyst too because it's really—I'm—I'm I'm struggling with it. As, as someone who's also allergic to bullshit and ignorance, because I feel like you are as well, how do you just keep it out? Like, you take it in, but keep it
2: out. Meaning, like, you're, you're reading it, you're witnessing it, we're seeing it, we're talking about it. Instagram helps me with that, honestly. Really? Because, because I'm given the opportunity to speak on it. I think if I just was taking it in, I would probably have a different answer for you. That's interesting.
0: That's the thing about bullshit. When you look at it in the face, okay. bullshit don't know how to handle it. No. Oh.
2: So I get to say, exactly. So I get to, like, say it, and then I get the confirmation from y'all right. being in my DMs in the comments, like, ah, you know, so you're not alone. Right. I think so much of the being allergic to bullshit is the loneliness that you feel that you're the only one who's noticing it. <laughs> And you know what? That's a word because
0: and I wanna say this. Even if you don't feel good posting it, that doesn't mean you can't record that video clip and save it to your phone and just get it out. Cause I feel like sometimes people like are like, you know, I wanna get it out, but I don't wanna put it out there. But then you have to ask why don't you wanna put it out there? I just think it's not for everyone. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I and I respect that. Like I have friends who aren't even on social media, but I still Fair want enough. them to release the way that yeah, you yeah, are saying. yeah, yeah. like yeah. I think what you just said is really important. Like you feel it, say it.
2: Call somebody, say Call it. Call somebody and say it. There's been so many times when, like, I would be depressed, and then I'd just be in my head, in my head, whether it's about something in the news or my own life or romance, et cetera, et cetera. And then I would, like, have a conversation with somebody at, like, 8.30 at night, and I'd just be, like, relieved. And then I'm, like, hella productive. I'm staying up till four, because now it's like I got my energy back because I released it. And that's just, like, you know— why going to therapy can be so helpful for people you know why um why going to i mean i just think release can happen in a, in a number of ways it doesn't it doesn't necessarily have to happen verbally uh like i just had somebody give me a gift uh of a session at a self at a sensory deprivation tank ooh what is that so apparently it's like you go there and you get naked, you, they turn off the lights, you go in this like pool of salt water that allows you to float. So you don't have to like struggle to float. And the idea is that it basically like, it's supposed to kind of like uh, mimic the womb and you let everything fall away.
0: That sounds amazing. I love that. Let us right. know how it goes.
2: I'm going to let you know how it goes. Yeah. Because I was like, well, what, are you, what, is, what is this? And he was like, you know, I just feel like you've been hella stressed with all the stuff that's going on. And it's a lot. To manage. So I've done this before. It's cool. Try it. So Ooh, it sounds like a rebirth. I wanna go. It <laughs> sounds like, like a rebirth. <laughs> <laughs> like,
0: so, really, I'm like, wait, the boom. Like, was that the, the only one I was like?
2: Boom. Just, just
0: the boom. Safe.
2: I can't imagine what kind of content is gonna come from that okay. experience. But you know what? It's so funny you say that because that's the world I'm in right now. I'm in the space of new content. Every conversation is like, is that a bit? Is that a bit? Everyone around me knows to be like, that's a bit because the new content struggle is
0: very real. Do you have a team or you just, it's just a team, a, of, who? A te- a team of people that help you with the content?
2: Fuck no. Especially when you're creating stand up. No? It's just you, you, you. I mean, I have a homeboy who's also a comic, Reg Thomas, who does help me in like formulating things so it'll be like I think you should put this bit up here or maybe you should drop that line and then like it's a sounding board I think that's a better way to put it because he ain't writing lines for me you know it's uh, I want
0: to be your sounding board I'm gonna send you a DM every time I see something because I'll be watching
2: I have thoughts Thoughts I mean I feel like I'm about to close My comments again Don't do it Yeah Yeah Why Cause I gotta preserve I gotta preserve I gotta preserve my space And my And it's like it's, It's a lot of energy Coming at you Like I mean I'm kinda close To a million And once I get to that It's I I'll keep it open For like the Obviously positive posts Or like the funnier posts But like I, I would love to have a separate page. It's like just, oh, God, truth. just like you know, and repost stuff over there. Like y'all can talk over there, but it's right. not like on my like a forum page. Because I right. think the part that always bothers me is that people be talking on my page like it's not my page. You know, like when you know, like when your mom would talk about you like you wasn't in the room. You're like I'm yeah, right here. I'm here <laughs> like right, I'm literally between your knees. I'm literally between your knees and you talk. She's She's on the phone. You know, this girl, this girl, I don't know what's wrong with this girl. You know, I don't know who she thinks she is. I'm right here. Oh, my God. But I'm happy you said that, too,
0: because I was going to ask you not just how you keep, like, the bullshit of the world out, but just the haters. Because, you know, with truths comes haters. You know, they follow along. They sniff you it out. The show was for the haters. And you did say it was for the haters. So how do you manage, you know, that hater relationship in your—because they're, like you said, they're in your comments, they're in your DMs. Sometimes, you So when I say it's them.
2: for the haters, what I mean is, like, I think, I think there's folks that try to detract— from the validity of my access. Um, they come up with all kinds of reasons. Like, you're getting this because you're light-skinned. You're getting this because you're on insecure You're getting this because you used to uh, fuck this person. I didn't. Um, you're, you know, like, people will come up with all these Reasons—it's really their own personal stuff. It's reason—it's really like the stuff that they come up with. Um, I think that colorism is an actual, very real thing. Uh, I don't by any means think I got an HBO Santa special by being light skinned. Uh, I think I got an HBO Santa special by being hilarious and by being diligent and by being direct and by liter- and by literally saying, "So, in- like, to the to the person, the person who won't buy my Santa special." Like, I mean, anybody who knows me knows I'm out. The box. So, you know, so I think that the, what I, when I say it's for the haters, it's here is what I consider to be a uh, demonstrative example of skill. So, whatever reason you're trying to use to hate, it don't stand up because here we have an example in stone of my craft and my dedication, and you can't take that away from me. You might not like it, but you can't—it's here. It's here. And and there's, and there's an audience of people who are here supporting it. So it's not even like I'm in my room being like, I'm cute, I'm cute, I'm cute, I'm cute, I'm cute, <laughs> like, you know? They're clapping along. They're clapping along. When they started clapping, yo. When they started clapping, like, I had an out-of-body experience. I, like, flew up and was like, oh, my God. When you're That's like, awesome. these niggas, bop, bop, these niggas, bop, bop, these <laughs> niggas, these niggas. <laughs>
0: I've never said the N-word so much. To these children, as I was watching it, I was not, I was just, it's art, right. you know? It is. I had it to let art. them know. I had to let them know. As, you know, to, to to go back to our, you know, this is a black media space, what can black media do now?
2: For, in general, Amanda Seals. (laughs) Mm. The accent. Amanda (laughs) Seals. Seals. She's got the hat wrap on, too, though.
0: That's the thing. It's like, oh, get so hot in here. I feel like I'm home. <laughs> I, I, that's why I love it. This is great. I'm
2: like, oh, God. Pass me a thing. Um, Come on,
0: Yopra, with the follow-up. We got Topra and Yopra. Yopra. I knew it was going to happen. I was waiting on this moment. Topra sage. We are here. We are here. <laughs> Let us heal,
2: yeah. Amanda. No. <laughs> um I think that the conversation or the way that I could be helped by essence is in being presented as a, gen- a genuine and authentic voice for black women artistically and having your support in a real way, not just in a, hey, come and do this thing over here and come and do this thing over here and come and do this thing over here. Because then what what it ends up feeling like is like, she's accessible, she'll, she'll just come. Transactional. You want, okay. Yeah, and I think that there is... Uh I under and I understand when there's hesitance to get behind folks who you're not sure if they got the chops, right? Fair. I get that. Um but once that's been established, there kinda is no real reason not to, because at the very least, we need to present we need to present options to women, to black women of what you could be. And I'm somebody who, like—I'm not saying I'm perfect by any means, and I really—I've had my missteps, but I strive to be a role model. That's what I strive to be. And some people will say, well, you can't be a role model when you say a nigga. And I'm like, well, I I don't agree with that. And some people will say, well, you can't be a role model when you fucking niggas. And I'm like, I don't agree with that neither. And so—but I—what I do strive to be is somebody who is inspiring people to be their version of a role model, right? And doing that with full authentic- authenticity and commitment and doing their best to not let the detractors derail them. So what I would love to do with Essence is to be regarded in that way, in a real way, um, and to be able to then also have the opportunity to work with Essence to look for who the next folks like that are.
0: I, and I asked—I circled back to it, because as Ian loves- Likes
2: to say, "Let's call a thing a thing." <laughs> not on my watch. Shh. Listen, not on my watch gets said so often in my professional spaces. You have the hand slap is it's unnecessary. It's not even the same thing without it.
0: And, and sometimes when you want the
2: thing, you have to say it. You know, it's, yes, it's, it's,
0: you just keep saying it. You just keep saying it, and not be apologetic about saying it.
2: Well, you know, I, I've often said that I seek, I seek to. Uh, disrupt politeness that gets in the way of productivity, that gets in the way of purpose. And I think a lot of us are trained to just, like, not say anything, because saying something would be impolite. And then I think a lot of black women are—we are trained not to say anything because we might look angry, we might look needy, we might look extra. I don't see, at this point— I'm angry, I'm needy, I'm extra, whatever. Um,
0: this is your bra speaking. Um, it makes me think of the Zora Neil Hurston quote, one of my favorite. If you are silent about your pain, they'll kill you and say you enjoyed it.
2: Mm-hmm. One million percent. I I mean, my biggest lesson has been learning how to be as effectively vocal about my pain, right? I mean, I think coming on here and being able to talk to you all, I'm in a safe space, and I can present it to you all in a way that's also not like— coming from anger as much as coming from passion. And I feel like you all can read that because I have learned how to present that to you. And I think so much of us have a long way to go uh, in refining our rage, right? Because we are so mad and we have every reason to be! And then we don't get the opportunity to refine that, you know, because we're having to use our energy to suppress it and to, you know, make other people feel safe and make other people feel smart and all this other shit. And we don't get the chance to, like, make ourselves feel comfortable in our own feelings so it's like And also, you're here, right? Like, you're doing this interview. You've given us 45
0: minutes of your time. You're still here. You're still talking. But you don't—I mean, when you feel that way, you don't have to, right? So that's the other thing. Some people just don't show up for the conversation anymore. You You didn't—you know, like, this is the culture. You know what I mean? Over it, next. I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to address it. I don't want to talk about it. I just feel what I feel. And that's not
2: productive. So, yeah, to me, that's the thing. It's like, I get cancel culture when you've reached a certain point of, like, well, if if I vocalized— and there's no response, cancel. You know, like, R. Kelly is cancel culture. Cancel it, you know? There's people in my life who it's like, okay, I've said in at least— there's been at least three occasions where I have voiced compassionately that this makes me feel this way. I would love for this behavior to cease so that I can not be— Influenced to feel this way by you. If you don't adjust, cancel. It ain't like I'm not gonna say hi to you in the street, but my accessibility, like you've lost a security clearance. You know, you're, you're like, you're like carry on, um, on Showtime, my homeland. You know, she just keeps losing security clearances. <laughs> Remember, she had like the highest level, and they're like, don't even tell her a secret. <laughs> like, she can't—they're like, don't even, don't even give her your locker combination, you know? So, like, that's what happens, though. It's like people just move out to outer rings. and That was very so th- eloquently put. Thank you. I love it. I mean, the hardest part to me of celebrity is not really—like, people think it's like the money and the financing and the jobs. And the, To me, it's about the people and managing people around you and the transition of realizing—I think what's crazy is I, earlier today, was saying, like, there are people who, who want to show up to my big events. And then they don't want to like hold me down as a friend. They're there when I do the event. They're there when I do the show. They're there when I do the dinner party. But when I need you to feed my cat, you said you would and you didn't. Mm -hmm. Oh, girl, I forgot. Oh, I'm be out of town. I was busy. Mm -hmm. Even worse. So I leave you on read. (laughs) I will throw this. (laughs) I hate when people do that. So, you know, like, and, there's people who, like, you show, for, you, show for, you show up 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 for. And I'm not saying everybody has the same capacity to do that, right? I'm not. But you give people outs, and they don't take those outs for whatever reason, and then they start now affecting you. And now you have, like, resentment towards them. You don't want to have that, right? So, you know, you realize, like, oh, I got to recompartmentalize these people. And that, re- that compartment may be, like, you ain't in a compartment. And— as I was talking about this today, Tiffany had his, did a tweet basically saying the same thing. So it's like, you are not alone. I am here with you. Okay, we'll do some ad-libs. The we'll do, the we'll,
0: we'll, the we'll, we'll the, keep the, the, you with the melody. The, okay. you're far away.
2: Yeah.
0: Amanda, we, we love, love you so you. much. Thanks, Thank guys. you for always coming you. through and being so—such black excellence. Yes.
2: Thank Hello. you. That's Where will you be goal. when the special airs? What do you do? I'm doing a private screening in Los Angeles. Um, my screening will be uh, represented as a wedding reception because this is my wedding. I am marrying my future. <laughs> I have a cake topper with me and my mic. The mic has a bow tie. Um, The microphone has a bow tie. Yeah. So uh, it's, you know, Masa and Miata putting it together, squad. And uh, yeah, I mean, we all have different milestones, right? And I feel like we get to determine our milestones. I'm 37. I'm not married. I don't have a kid. I'm not saying none of that's going to happen, but this. Is my turning point milestone in my life. And for a lot of women, those are their turning point milestones. And do I have registries? Yes, Anthropology and Amazon.
0: I was getting ready to say, it. it's like when Carrie Brashaw registered for That's the exactly Manolo, what it is. Texas That's City, exactly what and, like, you want, after all those carriages and babe, no, you like, to get to I've you. been holding
2: everybody down. Yes, I love it. I married, she married herself. And the reality is, is that like, I don't know if I'm gonna marry somebody. I don't know. I just don't know. But what I do know is that I am committed to being a comedic voice for the rest of my life. And mm. that this is a huge moment. And we're proud of you. Yes. And I'm gonna look up your registry. Oh my God, thank you so much. Yeah. yeah. Anthropology? <laughs> <What's he saying? laughs> <I'm okay. laughs> thank you, boo. So make sure to watch I Be Knowing uh, January 26th yes. on HBO, uh, premiering at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard, 7 p.m. Pacific. Get this hashtag trending, hashtag IB HBO. And, you know, follow me at Amanda Seals on Instagram and Twitter. And if Smart, Funny, and Black comes to your town, get down. And if you want to listen to some upliftment, small doses, wherever pods are casted.
0: Thanks to our guest, Amanda Seals. And y'all, continue talking to us on social media. Use the hashtag YesGirlPodcast. And also, you can go back a little bit, right? Listen to old episodes of YesGirl. Yes. Guests like? Uh Tiffany Haddish, Ayanla Van Zandt, yes. Gabrielle Union, Ronnie and Shamari DeVoe. DeVoe. Yeah. Everyone said Ayanna dropped gems last week, y'all. So if you haven't listened, get to it.